0: Of all the teens, she's a woman that I know. She's the woman that loves me so. Hey, baby, bopaluna, she's my baby. Baby, bopaluna, don't mean me, baby, bopaluna. She's my baby, and I'm my baby, and, I'm my, baby. and I'm
1: my baby. Welcome, guys. Thanks.
2: Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you
1: for jumping on in such short notice. And I always like having these conversations because it has everything to do with the word safety. So, uh, which I think per- personally is, and professionally is paramount in this industry. And uh, we've actually did another show earlier this week uh, with a, a former Ministry of Labor uh, inspector. Mm-hmm. So we were getting into the safety conversation. But uh, I want to welcome you guys to the show. And do you guys go by BCCSA or do you guys go by British Columbia Construction Safety Alliance?
0: Basically both, but BCCSA if you can get all those CCs in there. It's rolling off
1: my tongue nowadays <laughs> because when I first saw it, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I got a show coming up called BCCSA," and I'm like, "Okay, hard right, BBC, so we can totally get it. We'll get it all going." Uh, so we've got Mike McKenna here, and we got Mr. Mr. Sorry, Amar. Uh, Kava- you got to you got to help me.
2: Kavazovic, I know that that one's a doozy. No,
1: no, Kavazovic. Okay, where are you from?
2: I am from Bosnia originally.
1: Okay, and Mike, what's your background?
2: Uh, I'm actually Portuguese.
1: No, really.
0: Oh, I'm not. I'm English. English,
1: Irish, Okay, hang on a sec. I got to move some things here. I got to get my Portuguese joke book and just pull it out now. And I'm going to share a dozen or so of them on this show. No, no, we all heard them. It depends on if it's a Portuguese saying it or an Italian. Usually it always flips back and forth, right?
0: yeah yeah hey 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 listen is there any chance you can send out some of those little custard tarts
1: you know what there's one right here in the studio we oh. I, I brought them in before so it's i'm not you think i'm joking era i'm gonna show you guys right there
0: oh so there go. good <laughs> yeah you, you guys know, will have
1: plenty of them you'll have plenty of them when you get here um yeah. no no we're gonna have a great show i mean you guys are is this the this isn't the first time you're gonna be at cce is it
2: No, this is actually our fourth year. We snuck in right before the pandemic in 2020. And then, yeah, we've gone every year since other than, well, I guess our third year because they, they didn't do it one year.
1: That's right. Yeah, they went, I guess, online as uh, the rest of the world was doing it. But yeah, no, no, I think uh, I'm hearing exciting things about this year, this show, and and I'm excited about uh, the turnout. I think it's going to be a huge turnout. And I was really grateful to get partnered with CCE and get us there. So we're going to be doing live shows that we're letting everybody know. And I think we actually chose a time for you guys uh, for you. Well, there's a few things that I want to share. Right. First of all, you guys are at booth number one, eight, seven, eight in Hall one. And then you guys yep. have uh, um, a speaking session happening on Wednesday, February 14th at 1.30 in room B. Um, and then you guys, uh, correct me if I'm wrong because I don't have that information on me, but you guys are going to be live on with our show on the first day, isn't it? I think at 10 a.m. is it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I was taking a guess on that. Okay, cool. So at 10 a.m. So you guys will be there, which we're going to continue the conversation, which is great. But uh, that's what I just want to let everybody know. But also your own information to get a hold of you guys is www.bccsa.ca. And then uh, the phone number. Do you guys want to do the 877 number? Do you guys want to do uh, the 604 number?
0: 877. Yeah,
1: we'll yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah, the 18778603675. Um and then is there any other information? I know that we also talked about uh CCPO, right?
2: Yeah, so the CCPO program, that's what we're going to be presenting about at our session. So CCPO has its own website as well and it's just ccpo.ca.
1: Perfect. Uh, where do you guys want to begin? What's your background? Like I mean the the construction why are you guys getting to, obviously it's Mike's first week. He just, you know, got a little bit gray from his first week on being on construction site. <laughs> 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 and yeah, and yours is probably the first day, but no, I mean, I want to, I always like getting an idea of, uh, where the construction connection begins and then how we get to this point where we start talking about, uh, BCCSA, right.
2: You want to start? Sure. Yeah, I'll start. So my, uh, My experience in construction didn't start in construction safety. I think like a lot of young men, my first exposure to the workforce at all was in construction. So, uh, you know, I started working in demolition back when I was in grade 11 or 12, uh, doing some odd jobs. And then after that, I got into the overhead door and gate world. So I was installing everything from residential garage doors to the big commercial ones on commercial sites uh, while I was getting my degree in political science, which has nothing to do with construction safety. Um, and really my exposure to construction safety was the lack thereof when I was in industry, you know, one of the first things I remember was going to a construction demo site and the electrical not being cut off and hitting a wire and going, whoops, that's live, right? And here I'm, I'm an 18 year old. I don't know any better. I've been told to do a job. I'm not going to say no, yeah. And you know, next thing, you know, I'm almost electrocuted after that. It was, you know, my first exposure to a construction safety professional as we were on a site, uh, doing the overhead door installations And a beam came down and narrowly missed myself, my coworker, maybe by a foot, right? It was something propping up the broken door. It came off and, you know, it was the CSO calling us afterwards, just doing an investigation saying, what happened? Can you tell me a little bit about it? It was what we now, what I now know is called a near miss. And, uh, you know, I remember that incident and thinking that's, that's really interesting that they do this. It was a larger company that we were at. And I'd never seen that before, you know, somebody actually going, something went wrong. Can you tell me about it? we thought we were in trouble, right? They just wanted this for their own purposes so they could do better. But we're we're trying to diffuse and go, oh, nothing happened, nothing happened. They're like, no, 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 you're good. Just tell us what happened. Nobody's getting in trouble. We just don't want this to happen again. So um, that's, you know, as far as the industry itself, that's sort of my exposure to it. And then, you know, one thing leading to another, I I ended up uh, at the BCCSA through a combination of my skills in industry and then my formal education. So that lands me here now.
1: Are we not as tradespeople instinctively always doing that like i mean i've been on site when i first got on there and i sometimes see the younger people getting on site and something bad happens and they want to reserve sharing that they had a hand in it you know what i mean and, and i don't think that's the right way to go i think that that stigma we want to change and and like organizations with yourselves and other people across the country we're helping with that change but i don't think it's moving fast enough like i think there's still that instinct fear factor of like nothing happened i'm good it's a bump, it's a bruise, move on, let's keep on working because I don't want to lose my job or I don't want to get reprimanded or I don't want to be written up or what have you, right?
0: You know what? I'd agree with that. I think though that uh, I think it's incumbent upon the industry at this point to stop that kind of attitude. It all yeah. comes down to ownership and sort of supervision. But, you know, with an industry that's having a hard time recruiting people, not just construction, but every industry, I think if we can position it in such a manner that This is a place that's safe. Uh, It's a place where you can make a good living. And, um, you know, I think good owners make that happen. And uh, particularly for young people, like Amaris just described, the fact that he had an an owner who was willing to have that conversation, I think is a step in the right direction for us all. Totally agree. I totally agree. And what's your your, your background in construction there, Mike? So it's a little bit more convoluted than Amaris. Uh, I, I was actually trained... I was trained trained as a you know occupational therapist, and so I worked at WorkSafeBC as a therapist treating injured workers. Oh, um, did that for about five or six years, and then uh, bought into a private rehab company that specialized in treating rehab treating workers who've been injured on on the uh, site. And um, through that kind of connection, I became involved with the construction sector. WorkSafeBC they needed someone to liaise with the construction sector. Yeah, and. That's where I kind of made my entry point, and what I've always liked about the industry is it's kind of a can-do industry. Um, they're not a, they're not afraid to um, um, invest uh, if there's an ROI, and uh, I think that's been very helpful for me in the sense that I love the fact that that I don't know if I can swear on this, but people totally just want to get shit. <laughs> yeah, so like people just want to get shit done, and they you know whatever it takes to make that happen um, was really attractive to me. And so I'm like every other guy in the country, probably I've got my weekend projects and building decks and trying to fix roofs and that sort of thing. But um, then this job became available 13 years ago now and uh, it was just a good fit. I wanted to be connected with, with this particular industry and the knowledge of rehab and how the compensation system works seems to have been kind of a nice marriage of previous kind of skill skill sets.
1: I I do like that this show has, and for good reason, attracted a lot of younger tradespeople that are getting into the business, and they're almost listening to these shows as kind of a blueprint um, to to, to navigate through construction. And I think that they are getting a lot more savvy, and it's not until you maybe get some, I guess, bumps and bruises on the job site that you start to realize that we don't need to run all the time. And when I say that, I mean... We don't need to always get the job done first and, regor- and re- uh, ignore safety. You know what I'm saying? But I get this generation and we did it as well. Like we, we got in there and we're like, I don't want to share that I got hurt. I don't want to share that I may have pulled something or done something wrong. I need to keep moving. And so when I say I don't want you guys running, I want you guys walking on the job site. And you'll see that after the first year or second year of working in the trades and you find the right employer that shows you walk, don't run.
0: You know what I mean? I, I do, and I, and I think that that's attractive to younger people, I would hope, because you want to be looked after. And again, hearkening back to that whole point about, um, you know, we need to be presenting this industry as a place that's attractive to young people. Yes. And um, it, we need to position it as an industry that's attractive to young people's parents and young people's spouses and partners, um, because those are the ones that ultimately – have the greatest influence and, and um, that notion that you don't have to have it done yesterday, mm-hmm. you can do it properly and still be profitable yeah. is uh, something that I think we really need to be pushing as safety professionals in this, in this industry. Uh, and well, I think just generally, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I, do you guys think that, um, safety is a number one reason why a lot of people don't get into construction or is it the stigma associated, a blue collar tre- career is the number one reason why most people don't want to get into it. I know it's a valid argument. Like, I mean, it's a great question. It's a great, I'm just saying, do you want to totally. I I I want both of you guys to jump right in because they're very, they're very valid points. And I know that I see it in the young, I totally see it in the young. And it's almost like a balancing act between the two on a daily basis.
2: I, I think it's a bit of both. And, you know, my generation, I'm 35 now. And I think, The shift has started to happen right around my generation and the younger generations where, you know, for me, it was still when I was in high school, it was construction is what you do if you can't cut it in college. If you can't make it. It was, you know, it was a de facto failure industry. Right. But at the same time, you're seeing all these contractors doing really well, leading good lives. They, They run successful companies and you're going there's a disconnect here because. You're telling me if I don't go to university, I won't amount to anything. But on the other hand, this guy's in his early 20s and he's bought a house already. So something's not jiving here. Right. But, you know, there's people with liberal arts degrees serving coffee. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But the reality is a lot of people are looking for an economically viable future for themselves. Right. So I think in the last decade, there's been a bit of a shift happening with young people where they're going You know, the trades are actually something really desirable. It's something you want to do. It sets you up in a lot of different ways. And uh, I think that generation two is embracing safety in a different way where it's not an aside. I think in the past it's we want to get shit done and safety is something we have to do. It's, It's tag it on at the end. Now it's just how you do the job. There is no here's how you do the job fast and here's how you do it safe. It's just here's how you do the job and it's the safe way. And if it takes a while, it takes a while. Right. And I think that's it'll take a while for the old guard to kind of see the light, or to yeah. just, to just exit out of the industry. Right. The reality is people are aging out of it, uh, but I think the future for construction for young people is that it's really becoming a viable option. Right. People are going, I could go u- to university. That's one way, or I could get into the trades. Right. You know what's funny? Because we do a terrible job at promoting this industry to young to
0: young people. Right. Because I agree. All the we just had our conference back in October and we had a fellow come out and do a presentation on how you should advertise to young people. Cause generally it's, it's looks dangerous. There's big stuff all over the place. The advertising is dark. Uh, it looks like a death metal video to a certain degree. Right. <laughs> but, but, uh, but if you make it like, look, you can buy a house, you can, be productive. You can see change. You, you can, can maintain that house. You can yeah. maintain. <laughs> and also, you know what? You can run your own business. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're smart, you don't have to go to university. You can be smart in construction and do all sorts of wonderful things. And I think it's incumbent upon us as an industry to make that more apparent. Uh, because it's a great industry to be in. I wish if I had known back in 1994 when I graduated from UBC with a degree that I could have done this instead, I would have done this instead. I would have because I think that the opportunities are there. And you see guys my age now being in the industry for 30, 40, 50 years, they're doing better than I'm doing. You know, they're driving nicer cars and they're going to Arizona to the place they bought down there and they look engaged. They're having a good time. I think we need to do a better job of making that. I uh, totally
1: agree, of- gentlemen. I mean, I, and I just read somewhere recently that um, the the feeling that one gets, uh, it's almost like a dopamine hit when we built and I see it when I see tradespeople having a slow week or a slow season or slow something, and they're not building, they're uh, slightly grouchier, You know what I mean? Because they haven't turned the wrench, they haven't swung the hammer, and it's just you know they're they're but they're they're running things a little slightly differently. And and I agree with you though that um, I don't think we can leave it to certain organizations to market ourselves. I think we have to market ourselves a certain way. And, and I'll be very honest. I mean, I got into construction more than 15 years ago, and I was coming from a different industry that was similar. But there was nobody there. There was nobody there to guide me there was nobody to share insight there was a lot of uh gatekeeping on i don't want to teach you because i don't know if you're going to be my competition i don't want to share knowledge with you and waste my time because you're going to go elsewhere there was a lot of that mentality but and i'll be very frank like with this show it probably has opened up a quite a you know amount of doors for a lot of younger trades trying to get in because they're getting a really clear view of what the industry is all about and then we're painting the realistic picture Obviously, there's ups and downs, but every industry has ups and downs. So if yeah. you choose university, I'll never dismiss anything that's educational. Like I, I, you can go to a university, you can get engineering degrees, you can get drafting, architecture, designing. You, you'll eventually lead. If your passion is and your, your mindset, you'll eventually get on the job site. You'll just eventually get to that point. And I think that the more people you could raise your hand to and ask a question, and then they'll answer you you, and, and also understand, and we've shared this, there are some bad apples, but there's bad apples in every industry. So you're going to come across those. If they don't want to share, then don't worry. Don't be upset about it. Move on and find my, a much better looking apple. That's all.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well said, because I think that you're right. If the, if the, the challenges we have in construction are the same challenges every industry has. You're going to have people who don't want to work with you, don't want to share with you. Um, are not good people to be around that's life right but this industry we again we need to do a better job of, of yeah. kind of highlighting that I but
1: think. I do want to talk about safety because in the same respect that I was trying to raise my hand and ask a lot of questions about how to be a better builder and learn tricks and trade tips and all this other stuff nobody was telling me to put muffs on nobody was telling me to put a respirator on nobody was like uh, I, the go-to was lid and boots. Tie your boots and put your lid on. That was the extent of it. It was never a conversation about gloves regarding handling certain chemicals that are corrosive, certain materials that are corrosive. Like my biggest thing when I look back on it, the drywallers inhaling just airborne dust. Like I know in in the last 10 years, we've seen a big push on silica dust and the concrete industry has done a really good job about that. But when I start speaking to drywallers and I start speaking about drywall composition and gypsum composition, it's worse. It's worse than silica dust when it comes to it. It's like, so we have to be aware of that. So it wasn't until my later years that I saw younger trades on site and I would go up to them, goggles, lid, boots, gloves, respirator, Get a new respirator. If that N95 is not doing well, grab another one. Like always have that on site. And I think it takes us as the generation that's ahead of them to let them know, I'm keeping an eye on you because you need to still be a healthy, vibrant, el- older person when you get out of this industry and want to teach other people, right? Are you guys seeing a shift? I really hope that, well, I am seeing a, a shift. Like I really want to hear that we are seeing a shift on that. More and more of us are sharing the knowledge saying that, put on these safety elements. We need these details on you guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say yes. And I I think, again, incumbent upon us as people in the safety side of this business is you've got to make it practical and you've got to make it simple. So our tagline here is making safety simpler. Not simple, but simpler. And um, I, I think that that married with the fact that we need to be attracting people to this industry um, and we attract people by uh, making sure that those folks who are going to be us in 15 years are well looked after and feel like it's an industry that's worthy of their time and worthy of their presence. But, you know, if you harken back to even silica, what we did here in British Columbia, when the regulation got a bit more stringent about a decade ago, we developed a silica tool and the silica tool allows contractors in real time to put in the, the variables of the site that they're working on and it spits out an exposure control plan at the end wow. that's actually acceptable to our regulator Okay, and we did it in conjunction with the regulator. So we made a, a significant exposure simple for the contractor, the average contractor to actually deal with. We've got 52,000 construction companies who are members of the BCCSA. Every construction company in the province is a member of ours and they employ about 250,000 workers. And so, but they have about, I don't know, maybe 90 prevention officers who are out there uh, visiting sites across the province. How -hmm. many sites realistically get visited? So, if you can provide something that's simple to access, that the average contractor who may never get a visit can say, okay, now I can, you know, now I can accommodate this. And, you know, Amar and I talk about this frequently, but so. Of the 52,000 contractors, 97% of 20 or less workers, 95% of 10 or less workers, and 92% of 5 or less workers. So this is an industry of sub-trades and, and contractors. 6,000 companies register with BC in the construction sector here. Uh, you know, uh, sort of on an you know, annual basis, 6,000 deregister. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of people who are good on the tools and they want to be successful, but they're uh, they're they're doing the job they're on, they're chasing the next job at home, probably the wife who's actually doing the books or some family member, they're driving kids to soccer, to hockey, and they're also trying to manage a business. So I've never met I've never met a contractor who said that they set out in the morning to hurt somebody.
1: No. Never.
0: So, again, to use that term again, it's incumbent upon us as the association that represents this industry to make sure that there are tools, Programs, individuals who can help them be safe in the simplest way possible. Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't want to put a red flag in Ontario because, uh, well, I don't care. I like upsetting people. You guys are doing a much better job in BC than Ontario is. I'll be very honest. I think you guys are totally doing a much better job when it comes to getting the messaging out there, and that's the biggest hurdle. I don't think the messaging in Ontario is cool enough to be discussed yet on job sites. And I think I, I love that 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 approach of yours, uh, making the message simpler, because that's what we really need. Are you guys seeing the younger trades embracing safety a lot better than the old dogs did or are currently?
0: I think it depends on yeah. which old dog you're talking to. True. Like we, true. Like, so we've got a board of directors of seventeen. And they're all senior decision makers, and we're very intentional about that. We don't want safety people, no offense to the safety people out there, but we want the money at the, um, around the table. Yeah, And all of those guys are old dogs. And, you know, the fact that they're giving voluntary of their time to sit around our table is a good thing. But we've also got a lot of young people who are much more um, kind of attuned to social media. They're more like Amar than I am. And so I don't know that you can cut it down divisional lines like that or sort of age lines like that, but I do think that safety – so, for example, over 21 years that the association is being kind of in place, and I'm not saying it's all us, but just to give an example of how safety has changed, the size of the industry has doubled. So we have twice as many workers than we did in 2004, yep. 2001. But the injury rate has been cut in half. That's pretty impressive, That's right? very you've impressive. Got- people so you and you you assume with more people on site you have more risk yeah because you just got more you got a lot more to manage right but yet the injury rate has been half so i think the old dogs have kind of recognized the importance of this and the new dogs or the pups yeah are are, uh, certainly embracing it and seeing the value in it because it's been modeled to them right so
1: guys why does it always take an injury for us to take action
2: well well to to use a I think a cliche at this point in the safety world, it's safety regulation is written in blood. It's people don't take notice until they really they they see the result of what happens. But I think that shift in perspective here is it's actually helpful in that regard because what You know, to go back to that initial example I had about what was a near miss. Near misses are actually where you get all your data that could drive your regulations to to do preventable safety, right? To to kind of prevent these things from happening. And I think because we have this kind of shift in the uh, thinking around safety in the industry, people are taking more of that preventative approach. And it's not to say that we're not still seeing incidents happening, and then that being, you know, the the sort of starting point for regulation but I think more and more we are seeing industry come forward and say here's a trend that we're seeing here's something that's happening out there that's beginning to become an issue and we should do something about it right that's where you know we will probably talk about it at some point in this conversation where ccpo came from uh, it's where the silica tool that Mike mentioned came from it's it's foreseeing an issue that's going to be on the horizon and saying we should do something about it before it becomes a bigger issue right and just to ontario's credit i will say the ministry of labor in ontario has actually worked with us over the last year uh with a group called the uh, ontario health clinics uh occupational health clinics for ontario workers OCAW. it's a bit of a bit of a mouthful of uh <laughs> of a association name but they've actually adopted the silica tool for ontario Amazing. as well so they're going to make okay. that available for workers there so it's moving in the right direction, and the good thing, you know, BC, you know, shameless plug here, we are a little bit of a leader in safety. Worksafe BC tends to be kind of at the cutting edge of implementing new and more stringent regulations. But when they do, other provinces take notice, and they tend to fall that way as well. And that's what we've seen with Ontario. So it's uh, it's a domino effect, and you know whether it starts here or in Ontario or in Nova Scotia, it doesn't really matter because no, it, doesn't. it it. it safety's the same everywhere. I'll I'll steal a line from Mike here, <laughs> which he he probably hates that I'm about to take one of his, but uh the example is always Well, we had
0: an agreement like yeah, I was gonna
2: say Well, he's right. giving you credit. He's giving you but, credit for, so you it's well, yours. Well, it's I, yours. I, I I've let the dog out. <laughs> no, it's uh well, it's the example of gravity, right? Gravity's the same everywhere, but fall protection regulations are different. Why yes. is that? Right? Yeah. You're going to fall off that ladder just the same in Nova Scotia as you are in BC. So why are, why isn't there standardization on that regulation, right?
0: I want to, you, know, you know, sorry, but he brings up a good point because, you know, construction's a bit unique in the sense that contractors are moving over jurisdictional lines all the time. Yes, right? for sure. And one thing we like about our kind of uh, paradigm or the lens that we look through all of our products is if it's good in BC, it should be good in Alberta, it should be good in Saskatchewan, it should be good in Ontario because one thing that drives contractors crazy is they have to recertify in each different jurisdiction. It does, And it makes sense to me. I mean, someone's making money, let's be frank, right? There's a lot of trainers out there who are making money, but we've always built things from the perspective that it should be good nationally. And it's not about us. We don't want our brand out there. We don't really care about that. Frankly, we just want to make sure that we're improving safety outcomes because that's why we exist. Right. It's that's a very good it, point. If, if you distill it down to, the one reason that we were created is to decrease the injury rate in construction. That's it. And so I don't know. I'd I'd
1: love to uh for to get some insight from you guys regarding what is the average trace person nowadays what's the injuries like? What are we talking about here? And um, I mean, we don't have to get into s- two specifics of the numbers. And I definitely don't want to associate this with this question with the Portuguese or Italians and their feelings, because mm-hmm. I don't want that to be a part of the injury. I want it to just it be strict. I know. <laughs> <laughs> just, but I, I'd like no joke. Joking aside. I mean, like, what are we, are we still dealing with um, like breathing problems? Are we still dealing with um, limbs injuries? Are we still dealing with hearing losses? Like are, what are the top, Ones that are we seeing that we're still seeing in in on the
2: job site. Well, you want to take it? I'll, I'll do kind of just the the clinical part of it. For Worksafe BC, they have what's uh, called a high risk strategy that they come out with every year, where they have focus points, and those are really based on where the highest injury rates come from. I think this um, this year they've slightly changed their uh, their language around it to, uh, to focus around inspections, but. We see the same things cropping up every year. It's uh, falls from heights, yeah. struck bys, which could mean you know struck by objects, flying vehicles, whatever. It's a little bit vague when we say struck by, and the last one is musculoskeletal injuries. So it's you know bad posture. It's it's sitting all day. It's standing all day. It's all those kinds of things. So those are at kind of the very highest level. Still, the biggest culprits. Uh, but then if you look at the ones that are a little bit sneakier, the long-term ones, and you mentioned this with asbestos, with silica, yeah. uh, most of the deaths still come from things like asbestos because people don't see it, right? Like you go on site and some guys aren't wearing respirators because in the moment, nothing feels wrong. Nothing seems wrong. You know, it, it's not cutting you, it's but it's doing damage. And it's, it's unfortunately the kind of thing that rears its ugly head 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Uh, so that's that's always present in the background. But, you know, when you look at it from, say, WorkSafe PC or any other regulators perspective, when they're doing their front facing campaigns, it's things like, you know, falling from heights struck by so that's because that's easy to identify. Right. It's sort of like mental health where it's happening, but it's not a broken arm. So you don't see it. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't maybe get the same attention that it should.
0: Any thoughts? Yeah, I, I was I would say he said everything I was going to say. It's okay. uh Yeah.
1: Like, nothing to add. Yeah. I, I, I mean, to most tradespeople nowadays are they savvy enough to understand that PPE has an age limit, has a a use limit? Like, there's expirations associated with all this stuff. And and definitely, if you have certain jobs or certain scopes tasks that damage or cover or you know, like, do they are they aware that you should change that harness? You should change that item. Like, are they are is that more? Is that education getting out there?
0: I, I would say yes, it is. So the bigger companies are going to typically have some kind of safety person as a full-time employee, right? And part of that person's job is making sure that equipment's changed on a regular basis. They're going to have a spreadsheet with all that stuff on it. The smaller companies may be a bit more of a challenging harking back to what I was saying earlier about there's so much going on. But I'll, I'll tell you just a bit of a plug for for the, you know, National Construction Safety Officer program that we have. So yep. it's if you're a national construction safety officer in BC, or a national construction safety officer in uh, Newfoundland, it, it's 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 reciprocal across across the country. What I like about it is that you don't have to be a dedicated safety person to get it. So if you got a crew of five and you're a tile setter, you can have one of your one of your guys, one of your tradespeople. Take the training, and it's it's, it's fall protection training, it's confined space training. Uh, there's a whole suite of courses that you have to take. You don't have to take it all at the same time, but at least for the smaller contractor who can't afford a full time safety person, they've got someone on site who at least knows. Yeah, we should probably be checking the expiry date on those respirators. You know, how long have you been wearing that respirator? And those boots don't look good. You know, like that. So. I think again, trying to get to this notion of accepting reality as it is and making it simple for these guys to actually adhere. So, and, and again, you're going to have good and bad actors, but no, uh, totally. I think there are, there are tools in place to help, um, you know, make those smaller contractors, uh, not make, but, uh, provide the opportunity for them to be safer.
1: Are you guys seeing technology and safety being a nice marriage? in the industry because we're starting to see a lot of it start to come in now with bluetooth enabled you know headsets and uh, hard hat integration things like that and just having maybe even monitors on ourselves we're starting to see that there's certain airborne like what you guys mentioned earlier is that is that a positive for the younger generation realizing that technology is helping us with safety.
0: Yeah, I I think so. I think we need to be careful because it's also got to be practical. Yes. Uh, so there, I, I think this um, the notion of these object uh, deten- uh, detectors that you can put in a hard hat and it you know if a big piece of machinery is coming up behind you and you don't know it, the operator of the machinery gets a buzz and you get a buzz in your hard hat and right. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think the move to um, uh, digital documentation, yeah. so the ability to you know, have your toolbox talk in the morning and document it and immediately gets uploaded, uploaded. Those are all really good things. But I think we need to be careful that we don't get into the gadgety stuff. That seems really cool, but really doesn't move the needle in terms of safety. I don't
2: know if you've seen anything different. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I think it's yeah, you have to take baby steps. Like, there's some that are very obvious where you go like one example that I've seen even around my house, they're doing a bunch of work and uh, the We run the traffic control program here for the province of BC, Uh, we've done the vast majority of the certifications for traffic uh, for flaggers right for uh, people that are doing the traffic control, and they have one of the highest injury rates, one of the unfortunately highest fatality rates because obviously the nature of their job is they're out around vehicles oftentimes on highways. Uh, they're manually controlling traffic, but what I've seen them doing a lot more now is using automated stop go lights. And there's still a person there that's directing that, but they don't actually have to stand on the street. So there's a really simple solution, something that's practical. It's not hugely expensive for companies to invest in, but they can implement that fairly easily. Right? So, and there, you're not really relying on the technology to keep you safe to Mike's example. If the buzzer goes off in your helmet and it's broken, and you don't see that piece of equipment coming, you know, you're hooped because now you don't have that spatial awareness anymore because you're depending on it where, you know, things like these traffic control uh, devices, I, I think that's great. Right. So I think it's you have to pick and choose what you implement where
1: I totally agree with you guys, because it, my concern is that the, the next generation of tradespeople is going to get so used to it. And when it does fail then it, all of a sudden there's going to be a situation there. And my other concern is that, and, and Mike, you brought up the gadgets, and, and, and I, I'm sure that you guys have probably seen this online, and we're starting to see a lot of companies coming up with ways to, I guess, replace the weight of a tool when you're using it. So obviously like SDS hammers and things like that, and now you're starting to create these harnesses for the tradesperson's body. At first, at face value, it seems like a great idea. You're basically becoming a man and the $6 million man, so to speak, right? But the thing is, I look at that and I'm wondering, okay, so... Where's the disadvantage here? Is it putting stress on your body at certain points where you shouldn't have it because the human body is designed a certain way? And you guys earlier brought up the fact of how you were standing all day, how you were sitting all day. We talk about tile setters. We talk about concrete people. We talk about all different tradespeople. people. They get into certain positions and I think it's a matter of just being conscious of how your body is in general. And I don't know the quick fixes to add an endoskeleton of some sort over your body to take... The heaviness of the task at hand. I don't know if that's a good move to do that. I think that spatial recognition—that's far more important. I think that, for lack of a better word, a lot of tradespeople have a spidey sense when they're on a job site. You know what I mean? Like we we, can—the way we walk, the way we act—but we're all contributing to it a collective on that sense. So if you start adding these cool things. Is it good or is it bad? That's where I start to ask a question, and I, I'd have to see the longevity of it for me to make a, a final decision on that.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, because you you wonder, uh, you know, yeah, and, and they're also not cheap, right? And so you make a significant investment in something that really doesn't meet the goal that you're hoping to achieve. Um, yeah, I think we just we just should be treading. Cautiously, I think would be the way to put it.
2: Uh, Not to divert this conversation into a totally different place, but this reminds me of uh, looking at something like uh, automated cars, right? you got tech people leading the charge because they're really good at making really good tech. And they're looking at it from, look at how innovative this is, right? But then it has all these other broader implications, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're very good tech people, but are you very good traffic management people? Are you very good, you know, are you good at looking at the social implications, things like that? So same thing in safety. If you've got people that are very good at creating tech, they might not actually be very good safety people or ergonomics people or things like that, right? So you're going, you've got to look to the right people to design the stuff or at least involve the right people to go, you know, to your point to say, what's the longevity of this thing? What's the long-term impact? Because it it's nice and shiny and new right now, but where is it going to lead us?
1: It's, it's, it's about designing the tradesperson of the future, trying to figure out if that's going to be the same thing. I know there's a lot of talk about modular building, but that's still, there's safety risks associated with that because at that point you're dealing with cranes. You're dealing with large masses of objects that are moving around human beings. So there's, there's potentially more safety risks at that point. So we just have to be aware of not just dumping everything in there and thinking that this is the best solution for it. And I'm always of the mind that I'll listen to anybody, and I'm sure you guys probably know this from, like, within two seconds of speaking to somebody, you know if they have a construction mindset. Like, they're aware of what a job site and what a tradesperson is. Like, we know. But in the same respect, we also know if the BS meter is there, too like you can be stuck behind a computer which is great but at some point you need to be on that site not i want you to get hurt i want you to understand what the tradesperson goes through so yeah, you need yeah. to you need yeah. to understand what it is to be working in the dead of winter and cold, wet, rain, mud, and moving material. You need to be aware of, of that environment. And that's not a virtual. That's not a, go- a goggle virtual world that you can kind of capture. You have to be there. You have to experience that. 100%. Then you can 100%. come up with great solutions. And by all yeah. means, please come up with as many great solutions for that. But these okay. are, I think safety, and you guys are probably attest to this, it's really about communication. Like, I think the more we talk about it, the better
0: we get at it. I would agree with that. And I think your point's really well taken, you know, because it's um, like you have to understand the environment that you're inserting this stuff into, right? That's really, really important. And, and you know, we often hear from contractors, you know, you know, Mike, the best way to, to, um, to be safe is, is to not work and uh I, I well you know it's like okay yeah, <laughs> yeah i get it i get it but uh but i do think that we you know that, again that this exoskeleton stuff is really fascinating to me like for instance how do you uh, how do you ensure that that works in downtown toronto in the middle of january you know is it battery powered is it pneumatic i don't know but those are all considerations you know how easy is it to move are you inserting more risk by getting rid of one risk but the, simply dealing with the equipment and moving it around actually inserts more risk. So, yeah, I just think we need to be very careful. And also maybe the fact is, I mean, the body wears out, right? There it does. There comes a point. And you, you want it go. to.
1: You want the body to tell you that there's something going on. You don't yeah. want it to be masked. and And then all of a sudden you're not aware of it because then you could just be contributing to more problems associated with it. That's why I'm a little, it's cool on social media. Is it a yes for me? I don't know yet. Right, I, I still revert right back to the tradesperson, and I'll get their boots on the ground mindset of what they're experiencing. Right? Yeah,
2: agreed.
0: Yeah, you know it's interesting. I remember going in, in, on a site about six seven years ago on a thirty third floor uh, high rise going up, and and uh, all the rebars, you know, all the you know rebar guys were there. Tying rebar, that's a hard job, right? I don't know if you've ever seen it or done it. Oh, but... yeah.
1: My, my wrists are hurting right now. I know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just even thinking about it, right? But uh, but they had this device that was an automatic rebar yep. tire. Yep. And now, now the older guys can go faster than the device, and so they kind of poo-poo it. So I think that we also need to take into account, is the pace of construction actually reasonable? Because the faster you get it done, the more money you make, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, if you insert a tool, there's maintenance of that tool. But if it, if it, if it extends the life of the worker, cause I remember talking to one guy and he was probably 29, 30 and he was in not great shape, right? Backs bugging him, knees bugging him, doesn't know what he's going to do next year. Cause this is all he knows. So there's gotta be a balance, particularly again, in an industry where we're trying to attract people, but you want to yeah. keep those seasoned professionals, right? Cause those are the most efficient guys and they're hard to get and hard to train. So you, there's a balance, like everything in life, yeah. right?
1: You bring up a great point there, Mike, because I I do notice that I find the younger trades are beating up their bodies a lot faster than we did, really. And I really yeah. want to know why. I I don't I like there. I, I mean, I, there's a list of trades that are I call the difficult trades. So you start getting into roofing, concrete, bricklaying, tile setting, framing, like the 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 those difficult body infused trades right and i'm seeing that these younger trades are getting into their 30s and they're having problems that are you know probably they should be having in their 50s or even older and then i try to explain to them me being in my early 50s i'm like i don't have any of those problems like I don't, and I went through a decade and a half of that stuff, but I was conscious of it. So I just I don't want this younger generation to just run, 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 run and get the job done. And just like okay, fine, I've got a kink or I've got a, a soreness, and ignore it. You shouldn't be ignoring it because now at that point you're compounding it, right? Which makes me kind of think like, how do you guys stay current and trying to pay attention to the tradesperson and trying to figure out because safety is always an ever evolving. Uh, conversation. So, how do you guys stay updated? I, I'm sure that you guys are in the field and you guys are speaking to tradespeople and you're getting feedback from them. But outside of that, what else are you guys looking at doing to get more insight into the tradesperson in today's construction site?
0: That's a, it's a great question. So I would say two that I can think of right off the bat. So we have our board of directors and they're going to give us information because they're in the field, but we have two technical advisory committees. One is the prime contractors technical advisory committee. And so it's a group of 30 plus that are representing large general general contractors. The nice thing about it though, Manny, is that they, they have to have a letter signed by the owner of the company that they can speak on behalf of the company when it comes to safety matters. And that's gotta be redone every year, Yeah, right? And so they'll come to us with, this is what we're seeing out there. This is the new regulation. This is the real effect in the field. Uh, can you help us with mm-hmm. this? So we look at them to bring information in. And we also have one for the fire, flood, and restoration, you know, you know, industry, the guys that are doing the fire flood restoration and cleaning up bodies and doing, you know, construction and renovations, etc. So we got another, you know, you know, tack for that. But we also are then able to lean on them to get information and disseminate it out to the trades. Yeah. And so that those are two really uh, beneficial. And we also have regional re- regional safety advisors. So okay. we contract with about seven guys, seven women, guys, people um, throughout the province who live in the different areas throughout the province. And they'll provide free consultation services to any contractor who's a member. Well, it's prepaid, but yeah. the average contractor pays about a hundred dollars a year to be a member of the BCCSA and everything else is pretty well free. Okay. Um, and those folks will give us regional intelligence because they're meeting with real contractors and we want them to focus on small contractors, not large. Cause the large have their own regional safety advisor analog. Right. And, um, so, so those are three areas that, because we, we want to be relevant. If you're not relevant, what the hell are you doing this stuff for? Right. So no yeah.
1: Point. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I, and I always encourage, anybody that's listening, the young trades that I I think it's quick for us to rubberneck, right? So we, we like talking about what we saw as a negative. Like, I couldn't believe I saw this on the job site. But I'd almost encourage the younger trades to actually speak up and reach out to an organization like yourselves and let them know, I've got an idea to make the site safer. Can I just share it with you? Because I, I honestly believe boots on the ground, that young generation that's working the new jobs and, and dealing with the new material and the new scope and the more challenges, commercial, high-rise, residential, they're the ones that are right there. They're the ones that are in the thick of things, and they're the ones that are going to have some great insight on how to make the site better and definitely a lot safer.
0: You know, you're exactly right. In fact, one of the best things we've done as, done as an association is we have a research development and opportunity fund which we fund ourselves, right? That's so amazing. any re- any revenue that we make through training or services or CCPO in Ontario, Silica Tool in Ontario, et cetera, CCPO isn't there yet, but but um, we, we put that aside. It's about 1.3 million a year and anybody can apply into it. And... Uh, what we've been able to do with that is provide real practical solutions, like concrete pump certification, like the silica tool, like an on online four hour orientation to construction program we call you know site site ready BC. So it allows us to be nimble and quick, and to fund those good ideas that industry has in a very meaningful and practical way. Because if you control the purse strings, you control the process. Of course, And we find that if you're going somewhere to a regulator, for example, and they're great out here, don't get me wrong, but um, when you're working with a regulator, there's a bit of an inefficiency quotient because there's committees that need to be met, that uh, need to be struck there's individuals inside the regulatory environment that need to give the thumbs up to releasing the money. It's just not as it's not construction like right It's not yeah. get or done kind of thing yeah. and so so that's been really helpful for us as well in terms of making sure that we can deliver on some of those ideas that are coming to us from the industry
1: I was recently made aware on another show a uh, concrete show that we did that and I don't think BC is allowing this anymore that homeowners could actually operate pumps now. Is that the case now? Not in BC, though. I think BC is the only place that you can't do this now.
2: Yeah, that's right. So in, in BC, we've actually, that's, you know, the effort we've put in over the last decade with CBCPO has been exactly to prevent that kind of thing. I mean, first, starting with, uh, with companies, because even there, we've got, you know, up until A month ago, technically anybody could have bought, leased, rented a concrete pump in B.C. and used it anywhere. No training, nothing. It's bizarre, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely no sense to me.
2: It made no sense to us. It made no sense to industry. I mean, people. Will have to be more certified to run a forklift than to run a pump that could take out half a building, right? So it it was bizarre to us. So now to hear that actually in other provinces homeowners can do it that's that's frightening, <laughs> and, and that's part of why we want to bring CCPO out of BC and into the rest of Canada, the United States for that matter. Uh, we built it as a on a national standard again to say concrete pumping is concrete pumping is concrete pumping. Yeah. Most of the equipment is from Europe and from Asia that yes. people are using. You're using the same methods in Europe and Asia and in North America and the subject matter experts we use to develop the program were from all over the place as well because we're saying well look we're all using the same stuff here and you're all seeing the same issues out there you know it was contractors that came to us and they came to WorkSafe BC and what you know we always say is the most unprecedented thing we've ever seen which is they asked for regulation it's very rare that you'll get an industry coming to the regulator and saying, hey, you know what? We need some laws here. It's usually place a fair, hands off. We don't want to see you, right? But they saw it and they just went, look, any Yahoo off the street can go grab a pump and hook it up and bring in a mixer truck and suddenly they're pumping concrete. And the injuries, the fatalities, the property damage, it was catastrophic a lot of times. And they said, look, we got to do something about this, right? And that that's where BC comes in. So yeah, to hear that, Anyone, even homeowners can do it elsewhere. That's again, it's frightening. And that and that's what we're working towards here is to is to stop that and ideally bring it to Ontario, bring it to the rest of Canada to to adopt that standard, right? It's and,
0: and dangerous. you know, man, I just want to add on because he's almost nailed everything there. But the one thing that's really important to us, it's competency based, right? Yes. Like, it's not a training program. It's like you take your training from your employer, from a union, from a trade. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter how you got to us, but you have to, in real time, on a real site, demonstrate you know what you're doing. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like getting a driver's license. Right? I mean, you can go to Young Drivers of Canada or you can get your dad to teach you. But at the end of the day, you still have to pass the test, and it's based on your ability to do the work. And so that's one thing I really want to emphasize, that we're not looking to expand into anybody's training market at all. We're just saying here's a here's an ISO certified you know third party verified competency assessment done by guys uh, who are, have been doing this for years and years and years. Um, all of our assessors were concrete pumpers, and I think that's really important because we just want to know that people are safe out there. And to Mars point, when things go wrong with a concrete pump, they really go wrong, right? I was they just going to say the, that. Yeah, on the end of the tube, getting whipped around like a like a you know pinata
1: i was just Um, yeah i was just gonna say that that the training is important but the training it primarily in my opinion the training is about how to handle a situation when it goes wrong because you won't know how to like if you if you've never done this training you've never handled this you never even the first time i actually had an opportunity to do it and it was with a professional i was like let me just give it a shot there i mean it was intimidating it was just extremely intimidating—the force, the, the volume, the strength—and I'm like, when I hear recently that homeowners are allowed to do this or any Yahoo can do this, I'm like, this is not a this
0: is not a good move, man. Because if something oh, goes not wrong, good at all, you know. And the other thing too is I like I think we undervalue the good concrete pumpers. Oh, like totally. It's not an easy job, right? These are like two million dollar plus machines pumping out 115,000 psi. They're basically weaponized concrete, yes. right? And, and, you know, here we make a big deal. They get a special hard hat that says CCPO certified on the side. You only get that hard hat if you've been competency assessed and you pass. And I think it gives recognition to these guys for the skill they have, right? Yeah. Like it, it's a real skill because you've got to part the thing. you got to set the outriggers out. you got to make sure soil yeah. conditions are okay. It's not simple, right? And I think that yeah. if we want to attract people into this industry, well, we should be given the, you know, for, for those that really are good at it, right? Yeah.
1: They have the driest and best humor. <laughs> 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 I can never read them. I never want to play poker with them. Never, never. <laughs> they're just, they're definitely on all the time. When they're on site, they're on. They are yeah. on. They They know what the potential risks are. They know what's going on. And they know, and they want a successful day. Like, they totally want a successful date. They don't want problems, but they know how to handle those problems if that ever comes up. But, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you that they deserve that recognition. It's totally important there. Agreed. I want to get into a little bit of mental health because I know that it's been growing in safety as part of it. Um, we started doing a bunch of shows, and we're calling them TNTs, uh, The New Tough and where we're trying to have more open conversations about it. And it's not that we're going to solve all the problems associated with it, but we are seeing an increase in mental health uh, issues happening in construction in the workforce, mostly in men. Um, And I just want to get your thoughts on that, guys.
2: Well, I can start it off, but I know Mike can speak a little bit better to this than I can. Uh, But we've developed a lot of resources for mental health, and that really comes out of, uh, you know, a lot more recognition and, um, you know, understanding around mental health in the industry, but broadly more in society, right? I mean, mental health isn't something that's just come out of construction, but what we have seen is there's a disproportionate amount of folks that are struggling with mental health issues in construction. And what we've seen from some studies, and I, you know, Mike can get into a little bit more detail here is some of that stems not all of it from substance abuse. Right. And even there, unfortunately, again, we see, uh, we see a disproportionate amount of that in our industry. Now, We could have a whole podcast on just talking about the intricacies of that and why that's the case. And, you know, is it that people who are already doing that are attracted to this industry or this industry is what drives them to it, right? Which I don't think is the case. Uh, But there's been a lot more awareness. It's been a focus for us. It's been a focus around all the Joint Occupational Health and Safety Committee uh, meetings in our industry, in our province. And, you know, the positive that I've seen is that it's it's become destigmatized a lot more. Right. So even between when I started here in 2015 and today, bringing that topic up and doing something about it is very different. Right. So now it's I think what I'm seeing is a lot of people are becoming less afraid to speak up about it in any way or to just even ask about it. Right. To be having a toolbox talk with their employer and saying, hey, how about next week we talk about mental health where. You know, 15 years ago, I feel like if you said that, they would have just looked at you like you're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, if yeah. you need help, go get help or whatever, right? Like, why why are you bringing this up at work? What does that have to do with construction? Well, it has everything to do with construction, right? So, um, you know, maybe pass it to Mike to talk about Remind and some of the stuff we've done there.
0: Yeah, so we, we, have a, uh, we have a website called Remind. I know everybody's got a website, but one of the things we did is we produced a video that's kind of based on those old... Um, uh, Safari videos where you'd you'd have the overlay the David Attenborough oh, yeah. styles.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: But it's based on it's based on a supervisor on site, okay. Who's like Superman on site, but is wearing is just whittling away in the evenings with pizza and beer and his poor dog. And um, so we think what that's kind of for us just to bring a bit of a humorous entry point. But the website's got lots and lots of resources. But. We also did a study with the Center for Applied Research into Mental Health and Addictions, Karma, And um, uh, it was probably the most comprehensive study done within the construction sector on mental health and substance use ever. And um, we talked to over 600 workers, uh, all the industry leaders here in the province, including the trades. And what came out of it was that, yeah, opioids are an issue, but three things, The, the bigger issues were uh, booze and pot on yeah. site from a substance use perspective right um in terms of of how that drives injuries but the other thing that i thought was interesting is that they talked about workers feel that they have a lack of agency which means that as soon as the job's done they're done and we as an industry that's the model right you hire up when you get the job and you never really have a connection to some of those you've got your core guys that you bring with you yeah. if you can afford to right But, um, you know, if you're hiring up for 100 and then you scale back down to three, those workers never feel like there's any assurances or any kind of, um, you know, what's my future look like? So I think as an industry, it's going to be a tough one. I'm not going to lie, but this notion that maybe we need to kind of change the way that we even do our business in a fundamental way, which is, I don't know what the answer is, Manny, but I can tell you that that lack of agency is... uh, is it was one of the biggest findings that was interesting to me. And the solution, I think we need to solve that as an industry, particularly, again, if you want to retain and you want to recruit, if you're a, a young person and you've got the option of working for somewhere where you've got reasonable benefits. And I'm not saying this is an interesting province because it's 80, 87% open shop, yeah. 13% unionized, right? Yeah. And so it's going to happen. And I think that's not a bad model. So I'm not suggesting that we increase unionized um, uh, workforces, but the open shop would do well to, um, to make sure that they, their workers feel like they're looking after. So I think that would be a big part in the mental health side of things. And then hearkening back to what Amar said, this, the old notion that, you know, I yell at you because I love you doesn't work with young people, right? Yeah. It does. Maybe with some, I mean, I, I, I would appreciate because I like direct communication, but not everybody does. Right. So, it's going to have to be a bit of a paradigm shift if we're going to solve this issue.
1: I never liked yelling on site. I always dealt with the yelling neighbors. That was the extent of it. and, yeah. I, and I, I would just stand there and pretend that they were like an animal in the zoo behind the glass. That's all. I would just stand there and look yeah. at them. And I'm, I'm seeing a sign that says, do not tap on the animals. Like just don't tap on the glass. That's all. I never raised my voice, but on the job side, I, 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 I didn't do that. I don't know if it was basically, I was just thinking that that wasn't the best way to communicate, but I mean, my dad, that's the generation where they came from, bricklayers, like you're rough and tumble and you're, you know, like you're just yelling and you're joking at everybody and you're throwing things, unfortunately, wheelbarrows and trowels and stuff like that. But (laughs) I agree with you guys. You have to, I think, treat it differently, but it's a a challenge and it's great to hear that there is that difference between the union and non-union in BC where it's a challenge to the small business construction owner where it's a fine line. Sometimes you, you want to be there for your employee or your sub trades and you want to listen to what's going on to them. But I also bring up the argument. The owner has their own things going on. They have their own personal lives going on. Everybody has so much going on. So it's just, don't be too selfish and hoping that your life is the priority at that point. I wanna listen, I wanna be there, I wanna help and be a part of it, but I can't be all consumed of it. So it's almost like meet me in the middle kind of thing. We gotta work on this together, right? That's what I'm hoping that is happening conversation-wise.
0: I think, I mean, just be decent. Yes, yes. I think
1: that's happening on job sites. I think there is a lot of decency going on job sites these days. I don't think, I haven't seen it personally. I want to start this year. I've been uh, telling myself I want to make a conscious effort of spending more time on job sites. I want to get back on there. I want to see what's happening. But I think that there is a overall positive, good vibe going on these days when you have the right crew together and they're finding the right construction brothers and sisters. I think that uh, they're networking really well and then they got each other's backs.
0: I think it's really important because right now it's so easy to be isolated, right? Yes. Like, particularly after COVID. Yes. Right? So, like, you don't even have to leave your house to go pick up a pizza anymore. You just order, skip the dishes, and it'll come. Yeah. You can work from home. You know that you now we've got a nice balance here, and that we've got some, we've got a work from home component, but we also insist that everybody is in once a week. Everybody, because I think that connectivity is part of being human, right? And uh, most are in three days a week because we, you know, they talk about the five the five senses. There's actually a sixth sense, and it's when all your senses come together in the moment, right? You get a vibe for the room. You understand where people are coming from. You just feel it. It's part of being human, and I think that that's part of the mental health crisis that we just don't get together enough anymore, right? We've we've uh, a lot of people have lost the ability to communicate, and that's a real concern, right? Because you don't have it. You'd sit in your pajamas all day and still make money.
1: I know. Yeah. I, I love that you brought up the agency thing because the truth is that guys and girls that are in the industry, they thrive on showing up on the job site and earning a good day's work and then collaborating with other tradespeople and, and contributing and doing a project. But nobody really thinks about when that whistle goes off and they go home and what happens to that person after the fact. And I've been seeing a lot more people that I've listened to this show have reached out to other people and they'll just do a quick text and they'll just say, listen, everything good? All good? Everything's fine? Because we really don't know what happens into their lives after the job site. We don't know what they're going home to, if that's an empty room with a cat, with a dog or whatever, and no more communication at that point. That takes a toll and that contributes to mental health, right? So we have to just be conscious of it and there's no... There's no hard work involved in just sending a text and going, Everything all good? Everything's all good. I just want to ask. I'm, that's all. I'm not I don't want to pry. I want to ask. That's all I want to do, right?
0: Just kind of checking in, right? That's it. You know what? If you get a chance to watch that to watch that video, I would love to hear your here. I'd love to hear your feedback. Oh, totally. I would check it out for
1: sure. I'd totally check it
0: out. You yeah. just described the video. Yeah. <laughs> the guy he's right on site, but every night he's all by himself, right?
1: And that's yeah, is it, that the remind? That's the remind website?
2: Yeah, read-mine.ca. Yeah. Read-mine.ca,
0: okay. The video's called The Lone Hunter.
1: Is it tied to YouTube? It's probably tied to YouTube. Yeah. So you can it find is. it that way. That's good that you guys are doing that. That's amazing. I love that you guys are doing that. Um, what are you guys seeing in the future? Like, what's the what's BCCSA... I guess you guys, I mean, you probably have goals that you set aside, the new year, everything's getting started, what you guys are planning for 2025. It's great that we saw a very thriving construction industry in the last funny years that we've had and it's still continuing now and it's doing well. And I don't think there's a real sign that it's gonna turn around. I think we're just continuing to grow and we're continuing to build, um, which is great. And I love seeing that. Uh, But what are you guys seeing goal-wise and uh, strategies that you guys are moving forward?
2: Well, it kind of piggybacks on what we're talking about here with young people coming into the industry. I know, you know, we, like a lot of organizations, we have three year strat plans, and we we set out our goals, and we look at what we want to achieve. And I think we're at the point now where we're doing really well with all the projects and programs that we've initiated. And there's a lot of uh, a sense of The last few years we're building it, now it's built, and now what, right? So now we're rolling out all these new initiatives and programs, and I think what we've heard from our board and kind of from the industry is we want to raise the awareness of our association and really kind of break into that, I don't want to call it a market, but break into that segment of of young people being more aware of us, right? Whether that means just more standard marketing, whether it's being on social media, whatever it is, it's that you get to a point where somebody entering the industry doesn't work for five, six years and goes, BCCSA, I've never heard of you guys, or say, what's safety, right? Yeah. It's you want them to know about it beforehand. You want them to kind of get in front of it. We want to get in front of it. So I think, you know, as a, at a very high level, our goal really, I know it kind of, uh, it it made our marketing director sweat because he looked at it at the end and went, this looks like it's all me. <laughs> it yep. All of these action <laughs> items is marketing. At the end. But that's really what it is, right? I mean, you, you've got to get in front of people because you could be shouting into the void with these amazing ideas and products and tools. But if nobody hears you, if nobody has access to it, then what good does it do, right? So really, I, I see the next few years as the shift towards, okay, we're here now. Let's bring everybody in.
0: Yeah, I, I would say he's right. And and, and I just add that um, getting like, focusing on small contractors, right? That's the bulk of the industry. And so, a lot of our services are designed for small contractors. Um, our regional safety advisors, for example, as I mentioned earlier, their focus is on helping those small contractors. Um, we have new tools. So, worksapc shares all of their data with us. We have a data sharing agreement with them, and we've now got a we've got a service called EHS, which allows us to interrogate that data and spit it out in a form that's useful because it's just numbers, right? But you yeah. need to be able to kind of parse that out a little bit. Um, obviously the number one thing that we do is drive down the injury rate and we want to continue to sort of focus on that, but awareness is huge. And in fact, we've just hired another, uh, another person here internally to help us with that. So, um, kind of, you know, w- what resonates with young workers? Is it TikTok? Is it Instagram? Is it YouTube? Apparently Facebook is a definite no, but, uh, <laughs> knew, it is. Right? they're just not letting you know, don't worry. It is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think awareness is the big thing and also relevance. Like we want to make sure that what we're producing is actually useful to the yeah. end user. Cause if it's not, why the hell are we here? Right. Yeah.
1: I think it's important. There, there's two groups of people that I've seen come into the construction industry that have done really well for themselves. And that's uh, farmers and military. When I start Ooh. seeing our service people come into the construction industry and work, and then also farmers getting into the industry, they kind of have a sense. They almost take the safety, like safety priority first, they get in already understanding where are the, the risks associated with my tasks at hand, right? And I think that it's um, if you ever come across whoever's listening and you come across somebody that has that kind of background, maybe shadow them, just maybe pick their brain, ask them a question or two or whatever, and just be kind of associated with them and just uh, get a better understanding because they, they, they're doing really well when it comes to the safety component of it and understanding uh, processes, you know, and, and, and they still eventually get to the skill. I think that the younger generation is too quick to get to the skill and not quick enough to get to the safety first. I think that they should get to the safety and understand that and then get to the skill.
0: Yeah, it's a, that's interesting because those folks are all used to systems, right? Yes. Like there's a way that you farm. There's a way that you do that. Like you follow the procedures, right? And and I think that, um you know, one thing that we like is the core program here, the Certificate of Recognition Program. Why I like it is because – it, uh, it's been proven scientifically to reduce injuries. So yeah. if you work for a core-certified construction company, um, as a worker, you've got a one in five better chance, typically, of not being injured at all. And uh, and what I like about it is for small contractors, because now to work on any provincially funded program here, or project like the big bridge building, highway building, etc., uh, you have to be core-certified. Core to work for BC Hydro, if, if it's a safety-sensitive environment, you have to be. Core, core certified. So the big guys are already there, but yeah. the small guys, in order to bid, need to be certified now. And it, it's a smaller offering, but I think what it teaches some of these smaller guys is that systems really make a difference. They do. In terms of procurement, HR, hiring, equipment maintenance, all that stuff just makes you a better, more profitable company. So uh again the farmers and sort of military folks they're used to systems they're used to maintaining equipment they're used to process yeah. and seeing the benefit of it yeah, yeah.
1: did you say mike that is getting a highway <laughs> <laughs> did i hear that correctly yeah, you guys... yeah. oh, all right i just want to make sure that i heard that correctly <laughs> <laughs> that hurts I, I gotta i gotta come back to bc it's been a while since i've been there i gotta check it out
0: <laughs> all right. you can drive it sorry I said, and now you can drive. Now that we got a highway,
1: ah, it's, it's pretty interesting that you guys got a highway. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, and and it, it's it's interesting. It's uh, I, I I love that you guys are looking at promoting this um to the end user, which is the the new trace person. I think that's incredibly important because they um, I, I think the problem with safety for the most part is that they'll click Google and search it and if they can't find it soon enough they move on and go look at the tools you know what i mean and start paying attention to the skill and that's why i keep on reaffirming i want to just keep on saying that just focus on the safety and i've tell people that could start construction businesses focus on the business focus on the uh, the systems you know like understand how you're you're going to make money understand what's going to cost money understand how you're going to run it on a safety level understand all those things Getting to this, like we're all going to be football players on the field and we're all going to be rock stars and we'll pull that off when we're called to do it. I want you to be a rock star of safety. I want you to understand that this is important and take care of this and learn this. Because guess what? You're going to have to teach it to somebody else. And so on and so on and so on. That's an expectation of you. That's important that everybody that comes into the trades becomes a teacher and shares this to the next person.
0: Great. Yeah, great. That's great perspective.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely is there i know that there's a bunch of information that i think that you guys have been just you know trinkling a ton of bit during the whole show but i mean you guys i've got some numbers here regarding ccpo uh like you guys are officially started in 2019 uh it um 892 registered users right now in the portal is that correct
2: yeah that's right so we've got i mean the numbers climbing every day it's It's funny, you know, we launched in 2019, and since day one, I've been saying to people, this is going to turn from a should to a must, because the regulator is going to put a law in place. We know this because they're working with us to do it. Um, So get on it now, because if you wait till the last minute, you won't be able to get in. And sure enough, we've been announcing it for years, and it goes live January 1st, 2024. So naturally, October 2023, i get more people calling and emailing and registering than i did for the four years leading up right <laughs> which is it's human nature it is what it is it's it's made myself and our coordinators uh add a few gray hairs to the head but that's fine but yeah so we we're capturing most of the industry here the million dollar question for us has been since we started how many people are actually out there pumping concrete and operating a pump which unfortunately we'll see right we don't know we we try to predict as much as we can we think there's probably near 2000 people. So we've captured almost a 1000. Now, that number is climbing. So uh, yeah, we've we've started to certify quite a few people. And to kind of go back to what Mike said earlier, one of our kind of the, the crown jewel of the program is that we actually go out into the field and assess people. So we'll send our assessors out, you know, these are folks that have 30, 40 plus years experience, and they'll actually shadow somebody from before the material arrives and before they set up, and they'll be there till they take down, right? So these are 12 hour days for our assessors a lot of the time. And, you know, these guys really know what they're doing and they're giving back to the industry as well. They wouldn't be doing this if they didn't want to. They wanted to see a safer industry and they want to see the young guys do well. And, you know, in the five years that we've been running the program now, we haven't gotten one complaint on site because you think about it and you go, the nature of this industry is things change on a dime. I mean, tomorrow you think you're going to have a port. No, you're not. You're going to have it the next day. You won't have it at all. Right. Add into that mix that some guy's going to show up with a clipboard and watch your operator all day. It, you know, it sounds like a tough sell, but after we've been out there doing it for a while, it, it turns out that it's quite a good model and it uh, it's worked really well for us. So, uh, yeah, CCPO's chugging along and it's doing well for us. So I, I think I, I don't have the exact number in front of me now but we've got just around 300 people that are fully certified in one way or another and we've done uh, quite a few practical assessments now. Yeah, I see
1: just uh, yeah, 300 in the queue there and then you guys have 910 written exams, 349 practical exams. Like I mean, this is uh this is the big leagues. This is important, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, again, it doesn't hurt that they have to do it now. But uh, but that's a good thing for us. It's a good thing for industry. It's it's moving that uh, moving that industry into the right direction, and it it really does keep people safer, right? Because now we know we've got 350 people out there that have proven to us that they know what they're doing. They're not just saying, well, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. That's great. Come and show us, right? And if if you're good at what you do, what it really means is just a recognition of what you've been doing all along, right? Mm-hmm. Now you've got a card. Now you're that guy down there's got a red seal he's ticketed that guy does too now you do as well it's not red seal but it's you know it's in that same vein it's it's official
1: um i think i'm speaking to the right people here because i've been trying for years to try to get a crane operator on the show and i'd love to get a pump operator on the show and i'm sure that you guys might know one or both
2: I know just the guy. Uh, Perfect. Perfect. We could definitely put you in touch. We'll with talk off mic.
1: We'll talk on another time and figure uh, it out. But I, uh, I would love to have that conversation because um, I think the listeners would love to dive into that person's mind and try to get an understanding of what they go through on a daily and how to handle that uh, that uh, that career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We can help you with the crane side too.
1: Awesome. There, There's usually a quiet bunch. Eh? Well, I mean, they're always left alone, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part. Yeah. <laughs> they climb a ladder yeah. really well. Um, I'm trying to figure out did we cover? I mean, I, you know what? That's what I wanted to ask you. The session in Toronto, what are you guys going to be breaking down? What's going to be the discussion there?
2: Yeah, we've got 50 minutes on CCPO. So we actually go into some depth and uh, what we start out with is talking about the difference between a certificate and certification and really making this delineation between I've just done an online tester. I've just done some training versus I've been competency certified. And we we kind of get into the weeds on the, the international standard, the ISO 17024 standard that really is the the foundation for our program. It, it's an international standard for um, the certification of person. So really... Uh, that that's the bedrock of what we've built ccpo around and the reason we've done that is because what this is all about is an objective measurement of competency it's not just us saying we think you're competent because we've come up with some standard and we think it's pretty good it's no this is a proven standard that we've put against the highest litmus test of whether it is or isn't in fact driving towards uh you know certifying somebody as competent so we'll be talking about that we'll be talking about the program itself kind of the nitty-gritty of how you register, how you take the written exam, practical exam, things like that. We'll talk about how it's mobile. And the reason we're giving this presentation at CCE in Ontario is because we've been working with some partners in Ontario to hopefully adopt the program there to bring it into the province. It's mobile, I mean, the reality is we could set up shop tomorrow if we wanted to, right? Everything except for the practical exam is done online. And then if you want to get practically assessed, we could send somebody out to you. So it's ready to go. I think industry is ready for it. What we're hearing is there's a lot of demand for it. You know, when we're at our booth uh, at CCE, most of the concrete pump operators that come up to us, talk to us and go, wait, this isn't already here. We go, no, that's what we're trying to do. That's why we're here. So that's a positive for us, right? The fact that they're going, we want this, we need this. And we're shocked it's not already here. So yeah, we'll be in um, hall one, or sorry, room B at one thirty on the 14th uh, doing 14th. that presentation. It's just shy of an hour uh, for, for that session. And, and also Manny, I just want to highlight this again.
0: We're not looking to cut anybody's grass in the no. training world. No. We have no interest whatsoever. So uh, this is really a plug and play because the system is set up. So if any trainers out there, any unions want to provide training, That's fantastic, but what this does is it basically verifies and gives substantive um, recognition to the training provider. If they have a high pass rate on the CCPO practical exam on the competency exam, then they're doing a good job training. But I think it's really clear, we need to be clear on that because we don't want to be seen as coming in as competitors. We're just coming in with a model that's been developed by industry in British Columbia that can be used as an assessment tool solely. Well, you're coming in as contributors,
1: not competitors. That's the way I see it. Right? And and I totally would say I kind of smell a road trip if you want to talk to the board there and you guys can work your way from BC all the way to Ontario and then keep on going east and then basically make every province. Why not? (laughs) It might be a good idea to do that, right? Do you have any time? I'll make some time. (laughs) i'll always make some time this is i I, we're in construction we have to find an eighth day you know 25th hour that's how it works it always happens that way right and we can't wait for leap years um no that's amazing that you brought that up I'm, i'm trying to figure out i think we've covered quite a bit if there's anything else that we may have missed that you guys want to share before i get to the 12 questions of construction
2: uh, I'll, I'll just plug the CCPO uh, session one more time and say that uh, if your listeners, if anybody out there is interested, uh, we have a VIP code that's uh, CCE564. Yep. Uh, if they use that, they get a complimentary registration for the for the uh, conference. So it's a two for one. So if you want to come see us speak and or you want to go to, to the uh, conference, then plug in that VIP code and you can come do that. Awesome. And
1: we'll, we'll actually share that in the show notes as well, too. And we'll let everybody know that you guys are going to be at booth 1878 in Hall 1. And it's going to be worth stopping by and saying hello and meeting the two celebrities that have been on this show here so they can get more insight onto that. But then also you guys are going to be doing we're going to we're going to continue the conversation live at the show as well, too, which we're looking forward to. That's going to be interesting. Uh, maybe I'll see if I could talk to the steward or somebody at CCE about trying to find a guitar or maybe a banjo. I don't know. Something drums. Yeah, but- I don't know. I don't know. Something there. but go omar and mike thank you so much let me get to the 12 questions don't worry there's no right or wrong it's not a test don't worry there's no points and there's definitely no gifts there's nothing at all it's just uh some insight into who you guys are all about uh but other than that yeah so triple w guys reach them at uh one uh get all the information on there and then also find out about all the ccpo information as well and we look forward to everybody attending the cce there it's going to be a great show. It's going to be an amazing show. So, and also tr- follow these guys all over Facebook, t- on X and Instagram, and YouTube and LinkedIn. All right, uh, we'll go one at a time, guys. What is your favorite construction word? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Does it have to be a word, or can it be three?
1: It could be a phrase. It could be a. It could be a statement. It could be
0: anything. Just get her done.
2: Not my problem. Uh, <laughs> what's your least favorite tool?
1: And it could be metaphorically, so it doesn't have to be a tool tool.
0: I'm gonna say a sausal. Open blade I like that? It. I know. I love it, but they're just they're they're finicky.
2: Yeah. I'll say because I've used it more than anything and my shoulder hurts from it right now, it's a nail gun. <laughs> Battery or pneumatic pneumatic the the heavy ones yeah they're not (laughs) fun when you have to hold one in your right hand for five six hours a day it's it's no fun
1: popeye what construction sound do you guys (laughs) love
0: oh the sound of a concrete pump
2: i'm gonna yeah with with earmuffs on i like jackhammer (laughs) i guess it's it's classic. it's a classic right
1: with earmuffs on uh what what's your favorite beverage gentlemen
0: I'm going to say uh, um, carbonated water with lime. Mm.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm basic. I, it's just a Coke with lime in it, something like that, yeah.
1: Okay, Okay. rum for you and gin for you. All there right. you go. <laughs> we'll try to keep the PG clearly. <laughs> uh, what uh, What's the worst and the best thing about construction?
0: Well, for me, the best thing is being able to see visual progress. Living in a world where... A lot of my work is on paper or yeah. watching projects kind of proceed, but that visual progress would be it. the worst thing I think is if I was in construction, having to get up and work in the rain for three months in Vancouver at 6am and it's dark and it hardly ever gets light. That uh, would be the worst. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Trade yeah. that for snow and ice and oh, yeah. shoveling framing job sites. Yeah. Okay.
2: No fine. Yeah best part for me the people worst part by far the weather i th- i don't know if that's a bc exclusive answer but yeah i think that's a canadian answer the weather
1: yeah you guys have quite the rain gear going on there like uh that that gets changed all the time uh favorite curse word we don't have to curse it's up to you guys unless it's a colorful interesting curse word
2: but just go with the classic yeah the, the, uh, the f word
1: the f word yeah, yeah. i got it yeah yeah i got it. Uh, favorite vehicle in the entire world? Any mode of transportation? It could be machinery, anything at all.
0: Sixty-six Jag E-type. Oh, tan leather green. Mm. Oh, yeah. Or either. silver, or silver, or even red. Mm. Red or British racing green. That shape,
1: mm. that that's a shape, eh? Oh. Whoever drew that, like it was not a computer. Uh huh. Oh, <laughs>
2: Amar. Similar shape, not as pretty. Uh 993 generation nine eleven turbo. So the mid nineties ones.
1: Yeah, I like that one as well, too. That's a good one. Uh what do you guys miss from your childhood? Innocence.
2: <laughs> Free time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what profession other than your own would you guys like to attempt one day?
0: Rockstar. It's a fun one, yeah. Yeah. If that's a profession, <laughs> it is a profession,
1: a lot of vices. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm actually a huge car guy. So that last one was tough to answer, but I always wanted to design cars. Actually, that's what I wanted to go to school for. So if there's a universe where I could do that, I'd love to do that. Still time. Mr. I
1: right, So there's a question for you outside of this. Uh, what's a beautifully designed vehicle today? 2024 model.
2: I don't know if they still make them in 2024 but the jaguar f-type actually as far as pretty coupes that's they they didn't draw a bad line on that car as far oh, as i'm no, concerned
1: yeah you're right you're right on that one okay
0: you know, i was just curious it's about funny that because if, if i'm driving around and a car catches my eye almost 80 percent, it's a jag i don't know why and i don't even know it's a jag until i look and i go hmm they do a great job with design, and that F-type is, well, that's a beautiful.
1: Do they car. still put the Leaping Jaguar on the hood now, or is it just the face of the Jaguar on the new cars, on the new models? I don't think I've seen I the Leaping Jaguar.
0: I think they do, though. Oh, no, that's right, because they've got the little
2: I round think Z- yeah, I think it's
1: just the face on. now. I think maybe because people were stealing the Leaping Jaguars. They chains
2: with Jaguars at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what profession would you guys not like to do? Accountant. It's important though. It's important.
0: No, it's very important, but I couldn't deal with that level of detail and numbers all day, every day. It would
2: drive me crazy. Oh. After doing my own home renos, uh, drywaller, please God, mm. no, I don't ever want to do drywall again in my life. <laughs> uh,
0: last That's... question.
1: Last question. If heaven exists, what would you guys like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly
2: gates?
0: Well, I'm hopefully I'm going to be a hundred and he says
2: it's about time. Uh, all your favorite people are waiting for you. Nice. Gentlemen, absolutely. No better answers than me.
0: Nah, <laughs> they are no, way better answers. There's no,
1: there's no right or wrong. They're all good answers. Uh, They're all good answers. Gentlemen, uh, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time and being on this show. I really appreciate it and sharing so much insight. And uh, I definitely encourage everybody to stop by and take a look and check the session out. Check out the live show that's happening. We'll share those in the notes as well too. And then also check you, check you guys out at the booth there and uh, have some interesting conversation with you guys.
0: What's, what size are you? I'm an XL.
1: I'm an XL. Right. Unless you want me to do a little Christina Aguilera and give me a medium, and then I'll have a little bit of belly showing there. But <laughs> I don't encourage it. I do not no encourage it, guys. I'm an XL. I'm totally cool. I would love okay. to wear one. I'll sport it on future shows as well, too. So you guys have been a blast, honestly. I love having these great conversations, uh, these important conversations. And I, I, do, I definitely encourage all trades to start having more of these conversations and just get right into it because... You guys are problem solving these things. We're a part of it. We're helping. We're contributing. But you guys, boots on the ground. You guys and girls, boots on the ground. You guys are problem solving this stuff. It's a really important, stuff. So thank you. I really appreciate it. So once again, one last time, their booth is going to be 1878 Hall 1, uh, uh, 14 and 15 at the Canadian Concrete Expo. And then their session is Wednesday, February 14th at 1.30 in Room B. And then use the uh, VIP code CCE56. F- and then uh, the website is www.bccsa.ca. Thank you, gentlemen. That's Thank you. Excellent.
0: Thank you. Thank you very Great much. Job.